This is Pat Solver with the Dr. Ways In, and after some technical difficulties, we are now embarking on our first Google Hangout on air. And I am so delighted that our first guest is uh, Laura Costatini. Did I say it right, Lauren? Uh, Lauren, yep, that's perfect. Yep. Okay, great. That she was really patient and uh, willing to um, spend about 40 minutes, I think, uh, trying to get this set up. But we're ready to rock and roll. And so let me tell you about Lauren. So Lauren is a um, PhD in uh, biomedical and neuroscience. And she had a long academic career at oh, that institution at the other end of the country, you know, Harvard, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, she is now the CEO and co-founder of a very interesting company that has an interesting technology that we're going to talk about today, and that's PrimaMed. And um, so what we're going to talk about is uh, PrimaMed's um, innovative temperature sensing fertility tracker. Did I get it right? Sure. That's a great yeah. description. Yep. Good. So I don't want to take too much time on it because I could spend an hour just going over your credentials, but um, I did want to say because I thought it was very interesting that you actually left Harvard um, because you were frustrated at the slow pace of translation of um, innovation from from the bench uh, to get it to the bedside. And um, I know as a clinician we say that you know you can invent something and it's 18 years later before I'm writing a prescription for it. And, um, and we're frustrated and I could see as an innovator and an entrepreneur that that would be frustrating for you too. So you went into industry and helped to successfully bring a no number of products to market including a product for Alzheimer's. You've also done work in epilepsy and, um, and now you're doing something completely different. So Lauren, what is PrimaMed and um, what are you up to? Tell us about your technology. Sure. Well, thanks again for having me. I'm uh, I'm so thrilled to be talking to you again. Um, and technical difficulties aside, we learned a lot, and that's what science is all about, right? <laughs> so, absolutely, the uh, the frustration of being in academia and simply just publishing and not seeing products get to the patients was my frustration. And so, I went into industry, and things moved along quicker. And then I went into consulting because I wanted to move several technologies forward at the same time. So I was working with about 40 different startup companies over the course of wow. six years. And I was, I was able to move uh, several of these into the patient's hands quicker than I could have in any of my other work. So it was really a fun time. Uh, and then PrimaTemp really... Um, the company contacted me to consult with them for a couple of months and look at their business plan and tell them a little about, about the regulatory pathway and whether investors would be interested in investing in a fertility sensor. Um, and they have a variety of continuous temperature sensing platforms besides just the fertility products. So we're not really just a women's health company, we're a continuous temperature sensing company. And within two months of, of consulting with them, um, I shut down my consulting firm and everything else went uh, went away and I really focused 100% on that company because it just had such promise. I mean, the world of fertility right now is growing um, in infertility and obviously women are 
waiting longer and staying in the workforce longer to conceive. And there are a lot of women who are leading very stressful lives and it's hard for them to identify their fertile window. So simply by utilizing continuous temperature sensing, which is the, the core technology at PrimaTemp, uh, we're able to identify these subtle changes that happen several days before ovulation that no other method is really able to identify and allow women to really pinpoint their fertile window. And so the science behind it is strong, the engineering efforts, we're working with an engineering firm that's been producing wireless sensors for NASA and Boeing and GE for 23 years. So we have incredible engineers behind the technology. And, uh, and like I said, the market need, I get emails in my inbox every day from women saying, when is this going to be available? So the need is there. Well, that's that's really exciting. So I thought what we should talk about is um, so your differentiator is that um, this is a continuous temperature sensor, which is different from there are a lot of fertility trackers out there, um, and some of the other ones that we've looked at and talked to measure temperature, but not continuously like yours. But the question that came up um, for me is the form factor. Can you talk a little bit about this? <laughs> and where it goes and how it gets there and how it gets out and you know all of kind of the nitty-gritty details. Sure. <laughs> so, so actually the, the two real differentiators behind our technology is the fact that it is truly continuous 24-7 which allows us to get a baseline temperature for every individual woman uh, and identify the change from baseline and so when you're only taking your temperature at night or you're taking it only once in the morning, you're just kind of getting these snapshots of temperature. Whereas when you have constant temperature, you can really look at differences in each individual woman. Because some women run hot and some women run cold. We all know that uh, we all have different baselines. And so this goes into the temperature sensing goes into a, a smartphone app or who's, who, so who's right. looking at it? Here's the, uh, here's the form factor, and the second differentiator is not only that it's continuous, but that it truly is core body temperature. So this is an intravaginal cervical ring, and your listeners may be aware of the Nuva ring and the S ring. These are intravaginal cervical rings that have been on the market for decades from medication companies that uh, deliver either birth control medication or other estrogens to women and women insert them themselves. It kind of is inserted like a tampon and it remains inside for a month at a time. Uh, estering is actually three months at a time and the women take it out after a month and they throw it away and purchase a new one. So those are the medication rings. We've simply taken the medication out and put the temperature sensor inside the ring. And so it's constantly taking temperature and then it transmits that data a few times a day to a smartphone app. And so when she becomes most fertile, an alert will be sent to her smartphone saying in the next two days you'll be most fertile. And can she set it up to have the alert go to her partner too? Yes, she can if she says so <laughs> we're leaving that up to her. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, I, ha I have to say it was very interesting having a conversation about your technology with some older men, and they said, I don't know, do you think women would really use this? And, and I said, well, you know, uh, it's kind of like a diaphragm, and we use that. I didn't bring up the, uh, the, the Nuva ring. I didn't know if perhaps they they actually knew what that was but so very so very interesting so I I put it in and I don't have to think about it again for a month and um, and 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 why would I have to change it I mean could I just 
leave it in? For, well, we until uh, I get pregnant. Yeah, we the well, we ask women to put it in at the very end of their menstrual cycle, and then. Um, take it out at the beginning of their menstrual cycle. So when you're menstruating, you're not really wearing it. Um, and the second piece is that the battery really is only lasting for about 35 days. And so we do have the ability to make a rechargeable battery, but that would be the next generation version. So it is a disposable product right now. So you would put a new one in each menstrual period. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. And does this have to get FDA approval? Good question. So when we first uh, started working on this about a year and a half ago, it, it was going to walk down the 510K device clearance process. But in August, the FDA came out with a guidance document that exempted about 25 different medical devices. And two of those were digital thermometers and all fertility diagnostic devices for proception. And those were the two product codes that we would have been submitting this to the FDA. So we had a variety of regulatory consultants review that guidance document because I couldn't believe what I was reading. Yeah, and you lucked out. <laughs> yeah, and they all said, nope, you're, you're exempt from submitting the 510K. However, we are still FDA regulated. So our manufacturing facilities are registered. The FDA can come and audit us at any time. We're following GMP, good manufacturing processes for the production. We're following all the guidelines for, um, for the labeling and the indication for use. And to be honest, all of those tests that would be required for the 510K, we're still doing all of them. So for so all that was my next question. I'm sorry, yeah. that was my next question. Uh, are you, have you done any studies, any formal studies to show that uh, this is as effective as existing methods of um, fertility tracking or that it's maybe even more effective? What, what, have, what have you done so far right. to validate that this works? Right. Well, besides the safety studies that, that we're, we're going to be completing, obviously, over the next few weeks, and again, this is all the same products that have been used in, in uh, products that the FDA has already seen, medical-grade silicone, everything. Um, so in the literature, there's data that shows that uh, continuous temperature sensing is, is much more efficacious in identifying that fertile window than taking your temperature once a morning. Uh, the pilot studies that we'll be starting in the next couple weeks are going to compare identifying ovulation with our ring versus ultrasound, which is really oh. the gold standard, but certainly right. not something that a woman can do every month. And we'll also be comparing it to her taking her temperature once a day, as well as the urine dipsticks that women use to identify their luteinizing hormone surge. So we're comparing the ring to all of those other methods and identifying whether we're similar or superior to those methods to identify the fertile window. And of course, uh, this is what happens when the CEO is also a scientist. <laughs> you get some good science out of it. That's great. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, one more question I have about uh, about this product is, um, so you still have some work to do. When, approximately when, you said you have a lot of people calling you and, and saying, when, when can I get this? When will people be able to get this? When will this be on the market? Right, so summer of 2015. So the pilot oh. studies are, yep, the pilot studies are, are actually, the enrollment is very quick. Obviously, there are a lot of women that are willing to use this for the pilot studies for free. Um, and so we'll be getting through those pilot studies very quickly. And so by summer of 2015, we'll be launching it um, nationwide for purchase. Yep. 
Okay, that's fantastic. And your uh, marketing strategy, you're going to uh, sell it through pharmacies. You're, I mean, it's not going to require a prescription. It's over the counter. Um, online, are you going to crowdfund? What, what, what are, what are you? What's your thinking about things. how to get it out there? Exactly. So initially, we're starting with uh, direct to consumer online. Uh, on e-commerce sites and maybe some of these other more premium women's product sites. Uh, we are in discussions with the retail um, retail groups as well, some of the large uh, retail uh, drug stores. And I've launched a couple of products in Walgreens and CVS in the past, and we've always heard that you need to show market traction before they really want you to be selling off of their shelves. But we've gotten such interest from some of these these drugstores because they're all developing these wellness programs right apps that are connected to for instance the Walgreens wellness app they're really interested in sensors that can put the consumer in control and with women that are trying to conceive they want to have control over the process because if you if you think about it their next step really is to pay fifteen thousand dollars out of pocket for in vitro fertilization and so this certainly won't take the place of IVF for most women, but for some women where they're just having trouble identifying that fertile window, it's more they're taking control over their healthcare decisions. And that's what some of these these retail drugstores are very interested in right now. So we may be getting on the shelves of, of CVS and Walgreens sooner than we had expected. We're well, that, that's great. I know that Walgreens is uh, becoming yeah. a healthcare delivery system, right. and uh, so I could. And they're they're very into into wellness. I've had a chance to talk to some of the uh, Walgreen uh, physicians. So this seems like a great a great match to me. Yeah, and and the second part of our marketing is although OBGYNs will not be selling from their offices, we will want them to recommend. So we've got a marketing effort where we'll be going and educating the OBGYNs on this product because they want to see women get pregnant. They don't always want to refer all their patients to IVF specialists. And so the survey that we completed a few weeks ago showed that 88% of OBGYNs would recommend this ring to their patients. And at this point, OBGYNs can only say, "Go home and relax. If you're, you know, have some wine and and relax with your husband and have more sex." They don't really have a tool in their toolbox to say to women, "You've been trying to get pregnant for six months and you're not pregnant yet. Try using this for six months, and then if you're still not pregnant, we'll talk about going to IVF." So the OBGYNs really love it. Right, that's great. So we've got patients that love it and OBGYNs that love it. That's fantastic. So I did have a chance to look at your website, and I see that um, you do have plans to go beyond uh, fertility. Although I think this will be a, a you know wonderful contribution to the to the world of of infertility. Um, but you have some other really exciting ideas about what to do with the uh, continuous temperature sensing. Can you tell us just a little bit about um, two or three of those areas that you're thinking about? Sure. And so this is one of the form factors that we have, but we also have an external temperature patch that continuously transmits wireless temperature to the vital sign monitor in hospitals. And so the, uh, the only way you can really identify true core body temperature externally on the body is if you have a patch under the arm and the arm is pressed up against the body continuously. So that product is not really useful for an ambulatory woman who's trying to get pregnant because every time she lifts her arm during the day, the temperature fluctuates by 10 degrees. But in a hospital setting where a patient is sitting in bed, we're able to identify hospital-acquired infections and sepsis a couple days before symptoms even show. Really? Because, 
you see this pattern. It's certainly not a fever spike, but our patterns of temperature change before we see that fever spike, and we really have no way of identifying that when a nurse is just coming in and taking your temperature every four to six hours. But with this patch, every patient will have a patch. It's wirelessly transmitting to the vital sign monitor, and an alert can go off when this particular pattern is noticed, saying that this person should get a little extra attention because they may be getting sick soon. So we're working on that sort of on the back burner. Most of our focus is on the fertility product, but that's our other product in the pipeline that we're really excited about. Yeah, and that's a that's a great one too because we know that the outcomes for sepsis can be pretty dismal because it's often missed uh, or picked up too late. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little clinical story. Uh, when I was in training, I took care of a kid who had um, metastatic testicular cancer because oh. he was embarrassed to tell anybody that he had you know a lump in his uh, testicle and he got multiple rounds of chemotherapy and and um, seemed to be doing well and I walked by his room one one evening his temps were still normal but I looked at him and his respiratory rate was was fast and that was his early huh. indication and I suspect that if we would had continuous temperature sensing we might have found that there was another clue there so mm -hmm. I really think that that's a hugely important um, clinical issue to bring some new thinking to and, and it sounds like this could be one of them. That's great so. to hear that from you and we, we sometimes say temperature is the forgotten vital sign because physicians such as yourself they know that it's useful but we're not getting all the information out of temperature that we can be so that, that's great to hear from you. Well, I think we I think we learned something in the Ebola epidemic where where people were you know didn't quite make the mark for uh, triggering and uh, you know a, alarm about about somebody having uh, potentially having Ebola. If you remember the only case that died, um, he didn't have a fever when he came through. Um, but perhaps if we had a, a more sensitive way of measuring his temp, something might have been detected, which uh -huh. could have. In, in that case, translated to a you know much better outcome. Right, um, right. So, uh, just a couple of other things that I want to talk about, and we'll wrap up. This has been so interesting. Um, I always like to ask entrepreneurs a little bit about um, their funding. So, um, how have you been getting all this work done? Is this coming out of your pocket, or um, coming out of someone else's pocket? Right. So uh, when I joined the company a little over a year ago, my first job was to raise the Series A round, which was uh, our target was $1.5 million. Uh, we closed, we, we got to the $1.5 million within three or four months, and so we oversubscribed that to $1.83 million. And that's taken us through all of this development and all the testing and the initial pilot studies as well. So right now, I was actually in uh, investor meetings all last week we're raising our Series B right now and it's looking to be in the 8 to 10 million dollar range and that's really to ramp up the launch and so we've got all of the money that we need to get to launch and a small launch but really to, to get the revenue and the market traction that we really want to see to bring someone to the table like Johnson & Johnson or Philips or some company like that who could really launch the product in a couple of years we need about eight, ten, eight to ten million dollars to to allow us to really ramp all of that up. So that's what we're looking for right now. 
Well, it, it, it's very exciting, Lauren, and um, I'm glad that we were able to work through these technical issues so that we could chat about um, your company, which is really interesting and has um, so much potential, not just in fertility, but as we talked about in sepsis and other areas where continuous temperature uh, measurement could be a game changer. So I want to thank you very much for hanging in there and I uh, wish you all the luck and we're going to be watching carefully uh, to see uh, when this rolls out and how this rolls out and um, uh, what can I say but congratulations on getting this far and I'm sure we're going to see an exciting summer for your company. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. It's been really fun. Sure. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.